Hello, I'm Daniel Prusilides. Welcome to The Long Way, a podcast of short episodes with long perspectives on building the common good. Welcome to the very first episode of The Long Way, a new podcast by Cardus. Now, if you're new to Cardus, Cardus is a think tank. We do policy research and we argue for new habits and policies that are all aimed at doing three things helping us live together well, honoring our differences, and protecting the vulnerable. Now, this, of course, is our first season of podcasts. It's uh, six episodes, all focused on the theme of rebuilding. Rebuilding our social structures, our economy, or even our ethical framework, given the pandemic that's, well, turned this world upside down in 2020. This episode is called Fortitude and Fragility. Coming up, we'll hear from field reporter and editor of Convivium.ca, Peter Stockland, about the revival of service clubs during the pandemic. But first, let's see where Canadians are at in their thinking generally. For that, we turn to Shachi Curl the executive director of the Angus Reid Institute and also a frequent presenter of the latest public opinion data via CBC, the National Post and other media outlets, as well as Ray Pennings, executive vice president and co-founder of Cardis, and also someone who has been in the media a fair bit, most recently in the Hill Times newspaper and in Policy Options magazine. Shachi, good to be able to speak with you. Thanks for having me, Daniel. And Ray, welcome to you as well. Thank you, Daniel. Shachi, let's, let's start with you, and let's start with the big picture. How would you characterize the mood of Canadians now, I guess, several months into this pandemic lockdown? Well, we are fully two and a half months into this, Daniel, and I think what you're seeing now is uh, a combination of a sense of resignation, uh, as well as a little bit of cabin fever, as well as uh, a little bit of just sort of grating at just how long people have been locked down. And, and that isn't to say that they're of a view that we should start uh, throwing off uh, the the yokes of, of public health safety measures, but they are certainly ready to be back out in society, um, you know, and, and, and yet at the same time, there is uh, a sense and there is, a, I think, an acceptance that when we talk about life pre-pandemic, so a really true back to normal, going to hockey games, going to rock concerts, getting on a plane and flying to a vacation destination, that won't be back until well more than six months from now, if not a year from now. And for the first time, we're seeing majorities of Canadians really resigned to that reality. And there is a nervousness uh, about going back too quickly to, I guess, what we would have considered normal two and a half months ago. Uh, that's certainly something that I've seen in your latest polling numbers. 
absolutely there's a sense that it is it is too soon to be opening colleges daycares schools elementary schools there isn't really a great desire to see um you know movie theaters open anytime soon um there isn't a great desire to see unfortunately houses of worship open anytime soon i say unfortunately because our other polling shows that now more than ever people of faith are leaning on faith and turning to faith to get through this. And yet there is the wistfulness around wishing you had more access to some of these aspects of society that that would probably lift all our spirits. And at the same time, uh, the acceptance uh, that that it it just isn't the right time. You know, where are the places that Canadians feel the most secure about uh, going out and venturing out to? Uh, three quarters say that golf courses should be okay, so that's a little bit weather dependent, depending on where you are in the country. Uh, you're either availing yourself of nine or eighteen holes, or you're not. But um, but places of work, department stores, these are places that are sort of on the line. About half the country say they're ready to start easing back into work. They're they're ready to start venturing out to restaurants or patios. Uh, they're ready to start going shopping or getting their hair cut. But the other half are saying still, I feel nervous about this. I'm going to hang back a little bit before I start venturing out, even though we're starting to see some of these restrictions lifted. Now, Ray, Shachi mentioned uh, faith spaces, uh, churches, temples, mosques, that sort of thing. And I, I know that Cardis and uh, the Angus Reid Institute have been involved in some polling around faith and COVID-19 and, and the pandemic. And we saw in that polling that about one-fifth of Canadians say either they or someone they know has been helped by a faith institution during the pandemic lockdown in some way. And at the same time, we're looking at extended shutdowns of at least meeting inside those those worship spaces. That's got to be concerning. It does. Of course, faith institutions um, are things that we belong to. They're not necessarily meeting spaces. And so, you know, insofar as people are part of a faith community, um, I think, you know, we did some of the polling just prior to Easter. We saw, you know, a, a real rise in online sort of worship and access. And I think a lot of faith communities have adapted as well in terms of, you know, reaching out to their members, making sure that those who are especially in vulnerable categories are um, being taken care of and having their needs uh, provided for. So on the one hand, at a time in which there is physical isolation and loneliness, some of that has been overcome um, by belonging to faith communities and uh, those people are having connections. And, you know, I think the polling did show that out. I thought it was interesting looking at the polling for those who were attached and were already participating in faith. It was certainly um, there was an intensification. People who were already praying were praying more. Uh, There was an increased looking to to faith in, in terms of answering the big questions. What we did not see, now that poll was done in early April, so um, what we did not see was really those people who are not of faith um, yet thinking about, you know, being driven towards faith in terms of seeking about the big questions. And I do wonder, um, you know, as, as we talk about, as Shachi mentioned, in terms of the reluctance of going back, 
I think there is a sense that we are not going back to normal, that the things we once did, we are going to do differently in the future. And I think that, you know, pandemics and the increase in death that comes with pandemics has an inevitable forcing of a calculation of what's important in life. And my guess is that as we continue to uh, poll on some of these things, we may, um, we may see some different thinking about some of these issues. Uh, Shachi, do you think that the, I mean, in all of the, the polling and all of the numbers that you've looked at and everything, all the numbers that you've crunched, is there some aspect of the character of Canadians that you think has, has come out uh, through the pandemic experience, something that you've seen in the numbers that kind of reveals that? That's interesting. I think that we see both a combination of fortitude and fragility. You know, one of the things that really stood out was that uh, we were having anecdotal conversations about what the mental health impacts on the pandemic and the related shutdown have been, both on Canadian adults and on Canadian kids. So we we measured both uh, and and looked at well what are adults feeling? They're feeling a combination of worry and gratitude, anxiety and gratefulness. Realizing that for among those who have their health, who are working from home, who who haven't perhaps lost a, a day of work, or for those who have and have been able to uh, access emergency uh, government funding, uh, they have many things to feel grateful for, and at the same time an across the board acknowledgement that hey we're all hitting a bit of a wall here staying home not seeing our loved ones not being able to to hug our loved ones that was the finding from a study we did when we asked Canadians what they missed most what are they most looking forward to doing uh, you know they said they want to hug people they haven't been able to hug so we understand the toll that this is taking emotionally but we also see the quiet strength and dignity wherein people say they're feeling grateful. They are checking in on loved ones. They are trying to remember those in their lives who may be feeling a little bit uh, vulnerable, a little bit isolated. And, and of course, uh, the overlying uh, undercurrent, the overlying undercurrent, the, the steady undercurrent through, through all of this among both adults and children is a sense of boredom and ennui and on and onness. And, and I would challenge any of us to say that we haven't had a single day in the last 60 plus wherein getting out of bed and facing a day that looked very much like the day before wasn't just something that made you want to pull the covers back up. <laughs> Ray, you've just heard what, what Shachi had to say, and I think she points to some important things. I wonder from your perspective, based on all of, of the numbers and sort of the, the big picture, what are the, the social institutions that you think are, are highlighted or that you think are especially important, not so much in our experience of the last two and a half months, but say for our experience going ahead or looking ahead to the next two and a half or four or six months? It's interesting. As I was listening to Shachi, I, what, the word, the celebration of autonomy was something that prior to COVID, if you had asked me to look at Canadian life generally and what are the characteristics of Canadians, um, you know, there is a sense of being able to choose, being able to be yourself, being able to make choices. And I think what COVID has done is it has exposed the vulnerability 
in which we recognize that there are forces um, beyond our control and that it isn't just you get to choose and be whoever and whatever you want, that there are factors out there that do influence us. And it's interesting, I think, you know, the, the value that we have, even, you know, in terms of family, you know, we, we've all read the stories of people baking bread and playing board games and doing things together as a family um, that were always available to them. And yet, uh, in the busyness of life, um, perhaps some of those values uh, fell away. And what we're seeing now is a rediscovering of certain things. And at the same time, uh, while we rediscovered certain things, we also recognized um, the fact that we are multifaceted people, that we are body, soul, mind, spirit, will, um, and that we are social people. We actually require um, having a Zoom meeting is not the same as having a face-to-face -face meeting. Um, you know, looking, at, you know, saying hi to grandma over FaceTime is not the same as the hug. That there are lots of dimensions of life that are being highlighted for us as important and um, and that we need and i think the various institutions the institutions of faith i think communities will be very interesting to see um, you know is this going to do something for you know rotary clubs and lions clubs and those sorts of institutions which were on the on the decline I, I think that we may see something of a re-engagement in, in local associations and communities um, in which we get to know, work with, and deal with our neighbors more intensely. That'll certainly be something to watch for. We'll have to end it there. Uh, Ray Pennings from Cardis, thank you very much for, for joining us. And Shachi Curl from the Angus Reid Institute, thank you to you as well. Thank, thank you, Daniel. You. You heard Ray a moment ago talk about the revival of service clubs, and that's just what field reporter and Convivium editor Peter Stockland examines for us now on The Long Way. He reports from Montreal. Could the COVID-19 crisis that we're now carefully and cautiously coming out of have the surprising side effect of leading to a revival of the service clubs that were for so long a staple of Canadian community life? If you chat with Alex Baum, that's not a matter of speculation. It's already happening in Cochrane, Alberta, northeast of Calgary, where Baum owns a Toyota dealership but is also a stalwart of the local Rotary Club. Through the bleakest parts of pandemic spring 2020, he told me during a recent phone call, the service club has seen its membership numbers triple, and a second Rotary group for professionals aged under 40 has been hyperactive in getting community assistance projects mobilized. Even for someone who has dedicated his working life to the ideals that Rotary champions, Baum says he's been happily taken aback by the spirit of selflessness and service COVID has catalyzed. We've just seen an immense um, engagement from local residents. And, oh. You know, we, we've been kind of asking ourselves, why, why is that? And I think part of it, Peter, is that, you know, people are at home. A lot of people are at home and they're looking for things to do. Um, but I think it's more than that. You know, certainly in the Cochrane-Bow Valley area here, um, it's just been a wonderful thing to witness. 
And what's the what's the nature of that engagement? What have people stepped up to do? What what have they been asking to do, or what have you been asking them to do? Well, I, you know, the normal ask went out at the beginning, but but then this thing is kind of caught, you know, kind of caught momentum, and so um, our family services, so FC FCSS here in town, uh, same kind of thing. People are just jumping in and helping them before we've had to solicit you know, engagement from the community. Um, our food bank is, you know, like moving along well. Um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's kind of neat to see. And then it, it's gone beyond that now is that, um, you know, we've got a couple projects going, one in, one in Afghanistan and one in, one in Belize with the Mayans. And even that has, has, uh, has blossomed, you know, from being a kind of a small engagement to a full engagement. And I understand that closer to home, right there in Cochrane, you've even hired a local chef to make meals for those who are working on the front lines combating the COVID crisis. So the, we normally have a meal, a, a Tuesday meeting, lunch meal for the members. They said, okay, we're not having those. We're doing our, our meetings virtually. So why don't we all donate our money, have our, our our chef that does the meals for us, the buffet lunch that, that, that she does every week for us. She's out of work right now. Hmm. Um, could she make the same hot meals and can we deliver them to frontline workers? Oh my goodness. Well, normally you'd have to make that ask once or twice. Well, well that thing filled in, I'm going to say 10 minutes. Wow. And so not only the funds to do that, but the volunteers to deliver the meals to the frontline workers. And you figure, man, this is, this, you know, if there's any bright spots, it's people are looking outside of themselves mm. and saying, what can I do to help others? Yeah. I, I'm wondering um, if it's possible to kind of break down um, the percentage of, this response that would be attributable to COVID um, and the, the percentage that is kind of always there in in Alberta in, in general, but particularly in, in southern Alberta. What we're seeing right now is, in my opinion, unprecedented. Hmm. Um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe my reminder would be the days of the pioneers where, you know, if your barn burnt down, you didn't have insurance, but you had neighbors. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, lo and behold, you know, somebody brought a hammer, somebody brought some wood, and, and you know, at the end of the day or the end of the week, you had a, you had a barn again. Um, and, and that's what I'd liken it to, is, is we're building barns. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Well, just in the last few minutes of the very first episode of The Long Way, I'm joined by Rachel DeBrun, producer of the podcast. And Rachel, I just wanted to ask you, what what did you take away from the conversation with Ray and Shachi Curl? Well, it was actually something that Shachi said that stood out the most to me, which was that piece about identity. Kids are in this formational period of their lives. 
And the peers, the sounding boards, this framework that they had for formation and for coming into themselves has just sort of been flipped on its head. I think we feel that in our families and in our homes, but we're not quite talking about that on a national level. And I think that's going to be coming out more because we adults like to pretend that we don't have to ask ourselves those questions anymore. But I think we're all faced with that too. We're left standing alone saying, who am I? What communities am I a part of? Who do I lean on in times just like this? Well, I think you're right because as we've seen in, in various pieces of research that Cardis has put out, Work, obviously, is a big part of the lives of adults, but it's also a big part of our own identities and, and how we see ourselves. And, you know, family has been turned upside down by the pandemic. Kids' lives, of course, because, you know, they're not at school and they're not seeing their friends. They're not playing, you know, they're not there with their friends uh, in, in ways that they used to. Uh, but it's also affecting uh, adults, maybe in a different way, but there are certainly some parallels there. Oh, and it shows just how intersectional our lives are. And and the institutions, the things that we were engaging in before that might have felt auxiliary, we're realizing how core they are, how, how these things that we were thinking about one way, actually, when we strip that back, mean so many different things, impact us in so many different ways. Okay, Rachel, we'll end it there, and I will catch you again at the end of the next podcast episode. And I can't make any promises, but hopefully I'll be able to work in at least a few puns. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, you can catch The Long Way wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all the major platforms. And do check out our second episode featuring social scientist and Harvard professor Arthur Brooks on happiness in a time of pandemic. For Rachel DeBrun, Peter Stockland, and the entire Cardis team, I'm Daniel Prusilides. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.